We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friend at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. You're listening to KCBS In-Depth. We came very close to a catastrophic breakdown of our democratic accountability. The people, places, and issues the Bay Area is talking about. Right now, we're kind of stuck in this cycle where every summer we're hearing another story about a big fire and a town burning down. It's still extremely difficult to hold government agencies accountable for abuses that take place in the name of national security. This is KCBS In-Depth. The Supreme Court's landmark ruling this past Friday marked the end of nearly 50 years of federal abortion rights in the U.S., and many states are now getting ready to impose full abortion bans. That alone represents a monumental shift in American life. But the full consequences of this decision are likely to be even more far-reaching. Welcome to KCBS In-Depth, broadcasting throughout the Bay Area and streaming on the Odyssey app. I'm Keith Menconi. Today on the program, as post-Roe America begins to come into focus, we're going to consider what could come next. So just ahead, we'll hear why some medical experts are warning that abortion bans could also take a toll on public health. And then in the second half, we'll discuss why LGBTQ advocates and others are worried about the precedent that this decision is setting. The aggressive advocates who were looking to overrule Roe for so long, such a single-minded campaign, they really had no idea of the consequences they might be opening up. First up, though, what the end of Roe means for women's health. For that part of our conversation, we're going to welcome on now Dr. Jennifer Kearns. She is a professor at UC San Francisco, also the director of the university's Complex Family Planning Fellowship. Dr. Jennifer Kearns, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. So let's start off by drawing this link uh, between abortion care and other forms of health care. Just for some background, we've been hearing warnings from medical experts and advocates uh, even before Friday's ruling came down uh, as abortion restrictions in other states have become more strict. Uh, For example, SB 8 was passed in Texas last September, banning abortions after six weeks. Since then, some women have reportedly been denied treatment for miscarriages and other conditions related to pregnancies because those same treatments also play a role in abortions. So it seems like there's been something of a chilling effect at play here. Uh, Expand on that, if you could, uh, Dr. Kearns. What sorts of medical situations are we talking about? Yeah, great. Um, Yeah, you know, a lot of people like to think that abortion is this very specific issue and that it can be separated out from other forms of health care. And that's actually just not the case. 
you don't have to work very long in this field to really see that the, the lines between abortion, miscarriage, um, early pregnancy with a lot of other um, complicating factors have very fuzzy lines between them. So restricting access to, to any one of these things has ramifications on essentially all of early pregnancy care. Um, so, you know, some examples are that the, the procedure that we do for abortion is the same procedure that we do for patients sometimes with miscarriage. Um, similarly, with people who have a pregnancy of unknown location, this happens sometimes early in pregnancy. Mm. And then, of course, the, the most concerning scenario are people with ectopic pregnancy. So that's a pregnancy that's located outside the uterus. And that's a life-threatening condition. That's a pregnancy that is never going to progress. And we have already heard of cases coming out of Texas after SB8 passed, where um, people were being denied care for ectopic pregnancy and being sent out of the state. So really concerning, um, you know, what we've already seen come out of Texas and, and now knowing that that's sort of going to play out in uh, all of these states where abortion is now going to be illegal. And it really deserves mentioning, too, that, you know, while, while this is really relevant to think about how abortion restrictions affect other types of health care, um, just to remember also that abortion restrictions in and of themselves um, are are directly linked to increased maternal morbidity and mortality. So just restricting abortion um, directly leads to more people dying. And this is a lesson that we've seen internationally. We've seen it in this country. We have learned this lesson before, and that's sort of right where we're headed back. Yeah, so a, a lot of medical issues at play. And just to illustrate this for our listeners maybe a little bit more fully, from the perspective of healthcare providers, the concern would be if they provided some of these medications for people who are requesting them, they could run afoul of Texas's abortion restriction. Potentially, they could be seen as aiding in an abortion. So without this healthcare, and you, you mentioned this a second ago, but uh, maybe expand on this if you could, without this healthcare, what sorts of, uh, I mean, this is putting people in very risky situations, it absolutely is. And it's um, it's creating a situation where seeking health care is not a safe option. Um, so it's, you know, putting up barriers for people who uh, very well may need care in pregnancy. Um, and it's it's also really opening the door for um, threats to patient confidentiality. And that's really, you know, that's something that has always been held sacred in healthcare, um, confidential information that stays, you know, between a provider and a patient. And uh, the, the legislation in Texas and what I'm sure is going to happen in some other states as well that seeks to levy penalties against anybody who aids an abortion really directly threatens this. Um, we have already seen that there's a lot of confusion among providers and a lot of fear among providers um, in terms of what's legal and what's illegal. And, and people are really afraid of running afoul of what the law is. And it also introduces this suspicion factor. If you are somebody who is going to get a medical procedure and you feel like you might be suspected of having uh, had an abortion or have been or, or, or somebody who's looking for an abortion, um, that could make you less willing to have full, open, honest dialogues with your healthcare provider. And that can create its, its own complications. 
That's exactly right. So, you know, the same, as you referenced, the same medications that we use for abortion are, are ones that are used in miscarriage. The same procedure that we do um, for abortion is, is used in miscarriage also. And so it really opens up the, the door for any person to say, hey, I, you know, I, I have some suspicion here about what's going on. Um, and, you know, that, of course, is going to lead to people not wanting to seek care. Um, and, and uh, you know, that that certainly can have some threats to their own um, to their own health if they aren't seeking care when they really need it. You know, people, people who are pregnant, um, not infrequently have some kind of bleeding early in pregnancy. And, um, you know, people like that can be a very confusing situation about whether that's sort of a, could possibly a miscarriage. Could that be interpreted as somebody having done something at home to induce an abortion? These are all, um, you know, these are all scenarios, uh, that really open the door to, to criminalizing people. Um, and, to suspecting, you know, anybody really who is pregnant. I mean, it, it also, if you kind of dial it back a little bit, you really think about how people are going to be a lot less interested in doing any kind of pregnancy testing inside of healthcare facilities, um, because then there's sort of a record of, of a positive pregnancy test. I've even heard stories of patients before the ruling came out, um, wanting to redact certain parts of their medical chart indicating that they had had a treatment for a miscarriage or an abortion. So already widespread fear among patients about having this in their charts. Speaking once again with Dr. Jennifer Kearns, a professor at UC San Francisco. So here we are in California where state lawmakers and the governor have promised to protect protect abortion rights, maintain uh, the access to abortion for Californians and uh, even folks living out of state. What in your view, is the relevance of these challenges uh, for Californians? Are, are these issues that Californians need to worry about as well? Yeah, good question. Um, you know, we are lucky to be in a state where um, our leadership is really committed to protecting reproductive rights. Um, there are a number of bills making their way through the um, Senate and Assembly, the state Senate and Assembly, um, as we speak, that would um, offer protection in a variety of different ways for reproductive rights. Um, you know, it, California is interesting also, though, because despite the fact that this is a very supportive state, California has always suffered from a lack of abortion access, specifically for areas that are not the Bay Area, Southern California, all, you know, huge swaths of, of rural areas in California. And that's really just because of the geography of the state. Um, so we've already really struggled with access issues. So um, in some ways, you know, this this ruling is something that we this ruling and its effects on uh, certain states around the U.S. Um, is something that we've already been kind of dealing with here in California. Um, but certainly, you know, we are preparing and many, many places in California are preparing for an increase in patient um, volume. Um, I think that's probably going to be a little bit more true of Southern California as they absorb maybe some patients from Texas and Arizona and an overflow from New Mexico because New Mexico is one of these surge states. Um, might be a little bit less in Northern California, but we really actually just don't know. So um, so we're, we're preparing both for increased patient volume. Um, we certainly are, are doubling down on um, what has really been our expertise at UC San Francisco, which is in training people. So um, in addition to providing patient care, we also do a lot of training in abortion. Um, and we're very interested in, in continuing that, especially training people who um, are going to be uh, making a difference in some of these um, states that where it's remaining legal. All right. Well, an important set of issues to consider during this 
a time of big changes. We have been speaking once again to Dr. Jennifer Kearns, a professor at UC San Francisco, also the director of the university's Complex Family Planning Fellowship. Dr. Jennifer Kearns, thanks so much. Thank you so much for having me. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. This is KCBS In-Depth, your weekly deep dive into the events and trends shaping life in the Bay Area and beyond. I'm Keith Manconi. Today on the program, we're considering the far-reaching implications of this past week's Supreme Court decision, upending the long-standing guarantee of a constitutional right to an abortion. That decision on its own represents a major rupture with nearly a half-century of legal precedent. But at least one justice is hoping to see future rulings go even further. In his concurring opinion, Justice Clarence Thomas also took aim at other Supreme Court rulings that rested on the same legal reasonings as Roe v. Wade, effectively calling into question the right to contraception, the right to same-sex relations, and the right to same-sex marriage. So, could that opinion be a glimpse into future Supreme Court rulings? Well, up next, we're going to get the view of two legal experts. First up, inviting on a familiar voice for KCBS listeners, that would be Rory Little, professor at UC Hastings College of the Law, who previously clerked at the Supreme Court. Rory Little, welcome to KCBS In-Depth. Thanks, Keith. Happy to be here. And also welcoming on Shannon Minter, the legal director of the National Center for Lesbian Rights. It's a national advocacy group for lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender people. Shannon Minter, welcome to you as well. Thanks for having me, Keith. So, Rory, starting off with you, help us understand what Justice Clarence Thomas is referring to there. How are these other rights related to Roe v. Wade, and how could overturning Roe v. Wade uh, throw these other rights into question? Well, what's important to recognize is that the majority opinion itself recognizes that its mode of analysis saying that abortion is not mentioned specifically in the Constitution, and then looking at history in 1868 means that there is no constitutional protection for abortion rights. They recognize that this threatens other rights, which are also not mentioned in the Constitution uh, and may or may not have been in the minds of people in 1868 when the 14th Amendment was written, or even the Bill of Rights in 1789. Uh, Clarence Thomas, I think helpfully, frighteningly but helpfully says in his concurrence what what they're afraid to say out loud. He says, we should reconsider all of this court's substantive due process precedents. And then he says, including three cases, one of which is the right uh, to access contraception, uh, which has been around for over 50 years, 60 years. Uh, one of which is the Lawrence case, which protects intimate so sexual relationships between consenting adults. And one of which is Obergefell, the, the, the same-sex marriage case. He doesn't say that's the limit of his threat, if you will. He says that's just three of the rights. 
other rights that 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 clearly depend on the ability of the Supreme Court to interpret the meaning of words like liberty, liberty, which is used in the 14th Amendment. It was recognized in 1868 when that amendment was written that uh, the, the word was unspecific. It was general. It was open to interpretation. That's why they used it. They said, we don't want to give a specific list because we're afraid we'll leave something off. Um, so the idea that liberty uh, supports those three topics in general, it also supports, for example, the right of parents to control their children's education and decide where to send them to school or public school them. It includes uh, the right to interracial marriage. Indeed, it includes the right to equal treatment of women uh, and other persons, uh, and Shannon can talk to this, within the ambit of equality and liberty. So this is a frightening thing to say because uh, the analysis goes all the way back really to the beginning of the protection of constitutional rights in the Constitution. All right. And uh, sticking with uh, Professor Rory Little for just one more second, uh, let's talk next about where we expect this to go, because uh, Justice Thomas is a bit of a lone wolf in this one. Uh, Samuel Alito says that his own opinion does not call into question these other rights, and uh, it seems like uh, other justices on the court are more in his camp. Uh, Do you expect future cases before the Supreme Court in which these other justices, a majority of them, would uh, agree with Thomas's interpretation and uh, give a similar treatment to some of these rights that they just gave to the right to an abortion? Well, we should be clear, Justice Kavanaugh writes a separate opinion himself, and he says he does not believe these rights are threatened. He doesn't actually endorse them. He just says he doesn't believe they're threatened. The dissenters, the three dissenting justices, call the majority opinion hypocrisy to say that this opinion doesn't threaten those rights, while the analysis in that opinion clearly threatens the analysis in those underlying cases. Um, So the dissenters, I think, are right. It's either very frightening or it's hypocrisy. Are there going to be five votes? Well, this shows the importance of presidential elections and and the the sort of accidents of history. Um, We have three Trump appointees. if, if, a, if a Democratic president is elected in 2024, you'll see some replacements, I think, maybe in the other direction. Uh, if somebody like Trump were reelected or elected in 2024, you can see it go the other way. You could imagine five justices doing this. I don't think on the current court, but as we now know, the membership of the court can change pretty rapidly. So I don't think anybody should be comfortable thinking, oh, this doesn't threaten anything else. All right. Uh, that was, again, Rory Little, professor at UC Hastings College of the Law. Going to bring on now Shannon Minter, uh, the legal director of the National Center for Lesbian Rights. So, uh, Shannon, your take on this question of what we should expect next from the Supreme Court. Uh, over the past couple of days, we have heard a number of leaders in the LGBTQ movement, including here in California, downplaying the risks to uh, some of these rights, saying we don't see the court going in this direction in the future. What's your take? Well, I think any downplaying is incredibly uh, short-sighted and foolhardy. Uh, you know, as, as Rory just pointed out, look, there's there's uh, the fundamental clash in uh, this opinion with the court's prior decisions, including in Lawrence and Obergefell, is a view of the Constitution that these broad protections of equality, liberty, and due process have to be interpreted in accord with changing understandings and changes in history. I mean, we're not the same people that enacted the uh, 
14th Amendment in 1868. And as the dissenters pointed out, it wasn't people who enacted that amendment. It was men. Women weren't even allowed to participate as full political citizens at that time. So that's one vision of of the uh, Constitution put forward shockingly, uh, and I would I would say almost absurdly, in the Dobbs opinion that we literally have to freeze the meaning of these fundamental constitutional protections to what people had in mind, and by people again we mean men had in mind in 1868 versus the what has been for decades, centuries the view of the Constitution that no, of course these broad terms have to be interpreted and applied in accord with what's happening today. I mean, I think about what Justice Kennedy wrote in Obergefell itself when he said the identification of fundamental rights is an enduring part of the judicial duty to interpret the Constitution. History guides this inquiry but does not set its outer boundaries. I mean, so there's two just completely incompatible visions uh, of our Constitution at at work here. And yes, unfortunately for uh, LGBTQ people and women and many other marginalized groups, religious minorities, many other people in our society, uh, the vision that has been put forward by a majority of the court in Dobbs leaves out the vast majority of people who live in this country and guarantees they're not going to have meaningful constitutional protection. So yeah, we of course, LGBTQ people should be worried about what's coming next. All right, real quick, I'm just going to reintroduce you both. Once again, this is KCBS In-Depth. I'm Keith Manconi, speaking with Rory Little, professor at UC, UC Hastings College of the Law, also speaking with Shannon Minter, the legal director of the National Center for Lesbian Rights. And uh, Shannon Minter, you were also involved in the uh, landmark California marriage equality case. So you have a bit of a historical perspective here. Wondering if you could comment a little bit more on what you see as being at stake if these rights are on the table. In what in what ways might states pass laws that could uh, uh, incur on these rights if the Supreme Court lifts its protection for something like same-sex marriage or something like same-sex uh, intercourse. What, what what is at play? Well, Justice Thomas, in his concurrence, has now openly invited conservative states to undermine equality for married same-sex couples. It's a flashing neon sign of an invitation. I have no doubt we're going to see that happen, that states like Texas, where I live, are going to uh, enact policies that treat married same-sex couples uh, not equally. Uh, To say, for example, that maybe they don't have the same parental rights as married straight couples. And then we'll have to challenge that, and it'll go up to the federal court system. And then the the big question is, will this court fully enforce Obergefell, or will it allow the the equal treatment of same-sex couples to be chipped away at bit by bit, exactly as happened in Roe? I mean, we have been forewarned in terms of the trajectory of fundamental right to reproductive autonomy in this country. We saw the way it got chipped, chipped, undermined, chipped away at. The U.S. Supreme Court kept allowing those incursions on the right to stand. And then they, and here we are uh, today when the court has now fully reversed the fundamental right to reproductive freedom. So we would be very foolish. LGBTQ advocates would be very, very foolish not to see that that is a roadmap that has been laid out for uh, the far right in this country and that the court, there are justices on the court actively colluding in that agenda. So that for, for the LGBTQ community, this, this decision is an absolute existential threat. 
It's a wake-up call. I hope that we rise to the occasion. Politically, we need to do that, and we need to recognize that the U.S. Supreme Court is not going to protect us. Hmm. Well, let's talk a little bit about California's response to Friday's ruling. Uh, California lawmakers were already getting ready with a whole slew of legislation to bolster abortion rights in California, also uh, bolster California's ability to offer abortion care to uh, folks from other states that have banned abortion or otherwise limited abortion. And we're also talking about proposals to enshrine abortion and contraceptive rights in the state constitution. So uh, an an array of proposals right there. Uh, Turning to you again, Rory Little, does what what in there, I suppose, looks like it could be the most significant to you? And how could this cause, I suppose, clashes between California and other more conservative states? I mean, are we are we uh, on the cusp of seeing some very serious legal clashes as California tries to defend uh, these rights and uh, other states uh, try to curtail them? Well, we are absolutely on the verge of I mean, it's not too dramatic to call it a civil war, a social civil war. The um, there will be states that make it a crime not just to have an abortion or to assist an abortion within their state, but try to make it a crime uh, to, for someone to travel out of state to get an abortion. Meanwhile, California will work to be a haven for people and provide perhaps financial assistance for people who need to come to California for an abortion, where abortion will be fully protected, uh, but they need to come from an, uh, a nearby state, and, and nearby means hundreds and hundreds of miles. It's not next door necessarily, Texas and many southern states. Um, I, I applaud California, and, and there are 20-some jurisdictions that will, I think, act to protect abortion, but you're going to see civil war classes, clashes, and there are going to be lawsuits up at the Supreme Court, I think relatively quickly, of people trying to enforce uh, sort of crazy versions of, say, the Texas law, which allows neighbor to sue neighbor versus, uh, you know, to get damages from anybody who assists in an abortion, things like that. Uh, so, yeah, it's a, it's going to be a real social upheaval a- and not just for women. You know, there's this old adage, they came for other people and I did nothing and then they came for me. Um, I certainly appreciate the concerns of the LGBTQ community but boy, your average Joe, middle class, white, American mom and dad ought to also be very concerned if they're going to say you can't use contraception. <clears throat> you can't choose where your children go to school. You can't choose who's in your family. Uh, if the state wants to define family as only blood relatives, then they can. That's a case from the 19th when the Supreme Court said, no, you can't define family because that's a matter of privacy. Uh, that case is on the chopping block too. So everybody should be concerned about this. And I really think the, 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 the aggressive advocates who were looking to overrule Roe for so long, such a single-minded campaign, they really had no idea of the consequences they might be opening up. All right. Well, we are coming up on the end of the program and want to give the closing thought to Shannon Minter, again, the legal director of the National Center for Lesbian Rights. So you were referring to the need to uh, mobilize for supporters of uh, abortion rights and uh, other rights to mobilize at this moment. And we just talked a second ago about how California is positioning itself on all of this. For average people, for advocates, what does mobilization look like in your view? What does this moment call on uh, average people to do in your view? 
Well, first and foremost, uh, to vote, to vote for uh, representatives who will defend the fundamental freedoms and rights of, of all of us, as as uh, Professor Little was pointing out, this, this does affect everyone. I mean, these are rights that are central to our understanding of just what it means to be to be free people. So everyone has a huge stake in this. And then I think for, um, you know, I'm part of the LGBT community for, for, for that community in particular, we, you know, have kind of become a little bit complacent about these important rights. And I think we have to do what we've done before, which is just talk to our family, friends, uh, public officials, remind them how important these rights are to us, that our families matter and that it's been transformative. I mean, it has, it has been so positive and brought so many benefits, uh, not just to LGBTQ people and their families, but to the broader society, to have us able to participate and, and be included uh, at work, at schools, um, in, in government. And just, I think we, we need to go back to the very basics of standing up for ourselves, sharing our stories and asking people to help us and support us. All right. Well, certainly a time of momentous change. And we thank you both for sharing your insights helping us make a little bit more sense of it. Uh, we have been speaking one last time to Professor Rory Little. He's a professor at UC Hastings College of the Law who previously clerked at the Supreme Court. Professor Little, thanks so much. Thank you, Keith. And we were also hearing from Shannon Minter, the legal director of the National Center for Lesbian Rights. Shannon Minter, thanks to you as well. Thank you. And thank you all for listening. For KCBS and In-Depth, I'm Keith Menconi. Stay safe, be well. Talk again next week. been listening to KCBS In-Depth. Get every episode by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other podcast platforms. Visit kcbsradio.com for more news and interviews. We are the Bay Area's news station, KCBS. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.